Hi there, this is Steve, but this isn't the beginning of the show. Before we begin, I invite you to check out my free masterclass called The Surprising Path to Excellence. If you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or leader with financial responsibility in your company, you'll definitely not want to miss this one. I'll cover how a winning strategy combined with operational excellence drives higher cash flow and firm value. You can watch it for free at cultbar.com. I'll also link it in the show notes below. I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Strategic Financial Leadership Podcast, a podcast for entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who want to elevate their game and reach new levels of abundance and success. I'm Steve Coffrin, the founder of Coltvar, and I've spent my entire career growing and turning around companies, and together we'll explore the latest happenings in the world of strategy and finance. Let's do this. Before we begin, just remember that this podcast is for educational purposes and the information shared herein should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Check out our terms and conditions in the show notes to learn more. Now on to the show. I'm excited for today's discussion because today's guest is going to introduce his concept of the three chords and how when interwoven, they can strengthen one another, creating a foundation for a life completely aligned with one's most important goals. Rocco Carrero is a comprehensive wealth advisor specializing in working with business owners, CEOs, and entrepreneurs. Rocco, welcome to the Strategic Financial Leadership Podcast. I'm excited for our conversation today. I appreciate your time and look forward to jumping into your story. Thank you, for Steve, for having me. So I'm always curious, like, how do people, you know, get into the world of finance, right? I, I think it's um, a beautiful world to be in. And uh, I think it's, you know, it can add a lot of value to people's lives and businesses and everything else. So I'm curious because, you know, you went to Johnson & Wales University, you got a, a bachelor's in communications, and then you went on to get your MBA in finance. What was your like draw to finance? And, and did you know from an early age that you're good with numbers and you wanted to get into this world? Or is this a path that you just happen to fall down? Well, Steve, it's a, it's a great question. Well, when you look at the world of finance, there's so many different aspects to the actual business. But I knew that in my career <clears throat> that I wanted to do something that involved helping people. I knew that I enjoyed business. I enjoyed seeing companies grow. I enjoyed doing goal planning. And I looked at the financial services industry because I, I kind of had a draw towards that. And I, as I looked at it, I said, well, what, what particular role inside of financial services offers this opportunity to basically be able to help people, to be able to do the things that I, I kind of gravitated to? And it was, it was the area of providing financial advice and being a financial advisor. And, that's, and that is how I, I kind of ended up selecting this particular role inside of financial uh, services. I mean, did you ever struggle with which path to go down? Because sometimes I'll talk with students and they struggle because they're, they're getting their degree in finance and they're, they're thinking, Hey, do I go into like a corporate role? Do I go into, you know, like investment banking? Do I go into commercial banking? Do I go into private wealth management? And, and there's so many different paths that people can go down. Did you ever find yourself in that situation? And um, if so, what did you do about it? You know, my my original thought when I was younger was that I was going to be a venture capitalist investment banker and I was going to travel the world. As time went on, as they looked at my life, my mom and my dad immigrated from Italy back in the 1960s. And I have a large extended family. And I knew that I wanted to be close by to our hometown of Patchogue, New York. And 
I realized that in that role of being an investment banker, venture capitalist and traveling around the world, I would, wasn't going to be able to be close to my family. Still wanted to be part of financial services, still wanted to travel. I still wanted to be in the advice-based business, wanted to be part of the, the global economic uh, market system. And this being a financial advisor and looking at all the different career paths allowed me to work with people it allowed me to be able to help people, it allowed me to be part of the market, it allowed me to raise raise capital. It allowed me to do all the things that it allowed me to be close to home, be close to my, my family. So it just kind of this this was the role that met that checked off all the boxes as to what I was looking for. As I talk to young people as well, people always ask that question. What, which area do I think they should go into? And there's really, there's some people that are really cut for the portfolio management role. There's mutual fund managers, and there's hedge fund managers. There's people that are designed for the leadership managerial role. There's people that are designed for the operational role or the trading role or the service role. And then there's there's people that are um, in line with helping working with the, the client around the table one on one, and that that was the direction that I uh, that I went in. Gotcha. No, that makes sense, and I, I think that's that's wise, and especially if you're you know interested and, and truly vested in helping individuals on that level. Well, let me ask you this, um, because there's a lot of private wealth managers out there, right? I mean, it's just like consultants. There's a ton of consultants out there. You know, when people say, okay, well, why should I work with you? Like what makes you stand out in, in the market where there's just so many people out there trying to get people to sign up with them? And, you know, these private wealth managers are, are trying to you know manage the funds with so many different people. Like how do you convey your message to prospective clients? Well, the way that we separate ourselves, basically put ourselves on a separate shelf in the marketplace is through our service offering. Number one, we we lead with doing comprehensive planning. I know a lot of people say they do financial planning, but we really do it. We basically take an x-ray, get a snapshot of the overall current picture before we do anything, before we make recommendations, and then start to provide recommendations and solutions and really take our time going through the whole process along the way. The other major differentiating factor that we have here is the, is the structure of our team and our culture. We have a team of specialists that are on this particular team that works with on the client cases as well. We've got a we, we offer a hand holding service aspect where our clients the client services reps that we have that are part of our team basically handhold our clients through the whole entire process. And then we what we also offer is we offer our approach, which is really a three chords approach, taking a look at a person's family life, their business life, and themselves as an individual. That too is a major differentiating factor. So our company, our, pack, our practice culture, how we operate as a team and as an organization, our philosophy around financial planning, but more than just doing the numbers of financial planning, taking a look at a person's family life and taking a look at a person's, um, their business life. So you're right. There's a lot of wealth managers that are out there, but very few provide comprehensive solutions that look at things from a, a very high level, as well as going down into the, go, going down to nitty, nitty gritty and really, you know, I mean, right down to look at, you know, we, we're involved with everything that ties up with a person's life, right? We're involved with, 
when, when clients are purchasing um, multiple homes, cars, airplanes, boats, you name it, we are involved with it. We even have a joke around the tr- around the office that if a client or their cat is stuck in a tree, we're gonna we're gonna go out, we're gonna go there and help them get that cat out of the tree as well. We become an extension of people's family. And we're, and that is our culture. We don't look at it from a job perspective. We, we look at it from a cultural perspective as to who we are and what we do. Gotcha. So you help them in all aspects of their life. And, and I like that comprehensive approach. And I want to get into your book here in a minute. But before we do that, you know, what would you say to somebody who says, look, I know that there's value in working with a, a wealth manager. However, you know, why don't I just put my money in some like passive type fund? Like, why don't I just invest in some index funds and, you know, invest in some real estate? Why do I even need a middleman? That's a common question that you, you, you're seeing a lot in the media today, these, these robo-advisor tools. The advice that's being provided from good financial advisors it really comes down, if you think about the word advice, and this is, this is how our team puts ourselves out there, we look at it in terms of the acronym, right? Advice spells A-D-V-I-C-E. The first letter is A, and that's helping people take action. Right. So if you have a robo advisor tool or one of these self-directed platforms, do those tools help people to take the appropriate action for themselves, right? Based upon their goals and their objectives. The second letter is the letter D for direction. There's a personal element of being able to understand humans, people, and being able to provide them with the direction that they're looking for. The next letter in advice is V for vision. A computerized software tool is not going to be able to help people create the vision that they're looking for. I, in the word advice, stands for information, timely information, information that pertains directly to them based upon their goals and their objectives. C is confidence. Working with a good quality financial advisory team should help to increase somebody's confidence in achieving their goals and their objectives. And then E is experience, right? It's the experience of the financial advisor. It's the experience of the team, the cases that they've worked with. That is the, that's the value proposition versus some type of a program tool that could never help anybody with those, those, the action direction, vision, information, confidence, and experience. Gotcha. And so then you have this philosophy and I, I like that acronym, but you have this comprehensive approach to things. And, and that's probably what led you to write your book, The Three Chords, Approach to Life and Wealth Management for Business Owners. Was that your your motivation for writing the book is to get your message out there and say, hey, look, there's a comprehensive way to look at your whole entire life, not just like your your money or your rate of return. The reason why I decided to do the book is that, you know, we specialize in working with highly successful business owners and these highly successful people are quite driven people. And one of the things after 20 plus years of, of being in this business, I got to see was that I saw a lot of people that were financially very successful, but they struggled very much with their personal relationships, their, ch- their kids, their, their spouses, maybe were married two, three, four times in some cases. We saw that uh, that these highly driven people that might have been super highly financially successful really paid no attention to themselves as an individual, their personal health. And so the idea behind the book, The Three Chords, was to have business owners also focus on themselves as individuals and their personal relationships. And the idea behind The Three Chords is that each chord individually is not as strong 
as when all three are combined. When all three are combined, it becomes un- unbreakable. And so the, the book was around creating awareness, awareness for business owners so they were more aware of themselves um, in all three aspects of their life. So then people, I mean, you could be successful, right? Financially, like you're mentioning, and you'd be successful in business, but things are falling apart on your, in your life, in your personal life. You know, it, it may not be that, uh, that full success or full satisfaction that people are looking for. It's hard it's, to be successful in all three areas requires planning. It requires thinking. It requires work, right? So business owners may put a ton of work and a ton of energy into growing their business, treating it almost like a child, right? Growing it from if it's infancy to adulthood. And they do a really great job with that, but they don't put the same type of energy into themselves as an individual or, or, their, or their personal relationships with their kids and their, and their spouses. And that was the idea behind the book. The idea behind the book was to have it become a, a resource tool for business owners to look at more than just their wealth management. Do you think for somebody to be successful in business or in life, you know, whether they're a business owner or whether they're in like a, a corporate position, um, do you think in order to be successful, you have to make trade-offs? Do you have to sacrifice, you know, a little bit of family at times? So you're like cranking at the beginning and just working really hard at growing the business, or do you feel like there's a way to have it all if you're more strategic in, in the way that you approach things? There's a we, we talk about that a lot with our team here at the office as other advisors that are part of my group here. And these are um, men and women that have families. And these are these are hard driving people as well. And we talk about having it all. And the only way to have it all is to schedule things out. It, it doesn't sound like the most um, the most fun by having everything so scheduled. But the only way to really accomplish everything is through some type of a scheduled process. That's it. Without without operating on a schedule, nobody's ever going to be able to be successful in the three areas that we just spoke about. So it, it's all about managing your time and being very intentional about what gets scheduled and, and what gets put on the calendar and what you're pursuing. Correct. You've got to be intentional. That it's it's not you know it's not spontaneous. Everybody wants uh, to be to be spontaneous today. Think about business owners, right? Business owners create uh, P and Ls. Uh, they create plans. They do business planning. They work with consultants. They do all these different things to create this highly successful business. And then you ask yourself the question, well, are you doing the same type of activities that relate to your family and your and yourself? How much planning are you doing with your family on creating experiences? How much planning are you doing with your kids and helping them achieve their goals? How often are you setting up different types of getaways for um, to, for you and your spouse, right? So those are, you know, we, most business owners, I would say at least eight or nine out of 10 do not put the same energy into their, uh, into their family and their personal life as, as they do as with their business. Well, and it's interesting because I was, I was just having a conversation with a, a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about structure and it's almost paradoxical because you think that if you have a really structured life, right, if you have a lot of structure in your life, that you're going to be more constricted, you're not going to have a lot of freedom. But in fact, you know, the argument could be made that actually having structure gives you more freedom versus being unstructured. And then, you know, things are just chaotic. And then you're actually a slave to just all the demands and all the urgent things that come up in daily life. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts on, on structure? 
I agree with you. Everybody thinks that, uh, oh, I'm going to be stuck on a calendar. All the structure is going to constrict me on the things that I want to do. But in fact, with the structure and the planning, it allows you to achieve 10x, 10 times multiple on what you could normally do. It just, you know, it's virtually impossible to, to be able to do all the things that we all want to do in life without some type of structure. Yep. And I agree with that. So your book, you know, it's called the three chords and I think the idea and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, you have three smaller chords that are braided together that are inter- interwoven, the family, the business, the self. Um, and when all those come together and they're, they're interwoven, it actually makes all of them stronger, right? The, the, the full unit stronger. Is that unbreakable, is that right? Each of the chords individually could snap. But when you take a braid, when you braid those, when you braid anything together, it becomes virtually un- unbreakable. And that's the idea behind it is, is that, you know, one is not more important than the other. They're equally as important. And if you put them all together, you have the business owner that can have longevity and, and really be fulfilled in life, right? So if you take, a, you take a business owner that only focuses on one cord, eventually something snaps, right? And then they have regret. There's all kinds of problems that may come as a result of it. Yes, they've achieved financial success, but they're really upset about the other areas of, you know, of their, of their life. So it's just a reality um, all to be truly successful over time. One needs to look at all three areas, their business life, their personal life and their family and their, and their friends. I mean, it's all, it's all really, really important. So how did you choose these three chords and why do you think these are the most important aspects? Hey, real quick, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you're an entrepreneur or business leader and you want to take your game to the next level or you want to avoid being crushed out there during these uncertain times, be sure to check out our free masterclass called The Surprising Path to Excellence by visiting cultivar.com or through our Boosting Your Financial IQ app. I'll link this in the show notes as well. I'm also offering some freebies, so be sure to check it out. Now back to the show. a lot about it. And, um, and I thought a lot about the clients that we served. And if you think about it, right, so we all we all are independent people, we have our own lives as individuals. We all have some type of a, of a financial life, whether if, whether you own a business or you don't own a business, but there's there's the financial aspect of life, which is which is usually very important to people, right? Um, and then the third piece is, is that there's usually there's usually some type of a family relationship, or, friend, or, or friends, right? Um, or, you know, of course, both. And, and I thought about it and they say, well, these, these three areas are probably the, the most, there's other important things, right? There's community, there's, there's a lot of other things, but the, but the three chords that represent self, financial, and family, family friends happen to be the three most important areas. And I, and I stud, I've been studying business owners for, for years, for over 20 years, and the, the business owners that paid attention and put energy into all three were truly the most successful than the ones that just focused on one. Because you also have some business owners that aside from their business, they say, you know what, I'm not going to focus on my business. I'm just going to focus on myself. So they're, they're in great shape, but, they, but their business, they're not focusing on their business. Then their business starts to have trouble or they're, they're amazing, uh, amazing uh, parents 
and uh, spouses, and they're not really focusing on the financial aspects of things, right? They might just, they might be focusing on their business and they might be focusing on their family, but then, you know, they, they end up by having financial challenges. And we all know people like that as well. And we also know the, the the person that's in the great, you know, they're they're like an Iron Man or Iron Woman type shape. That's all they're focused on, and but they're not focused on anything else, and they run into other trouble. So, it's really the three chords, those three areas. Which after twenty years of looking at this, if people focus on those three different areas, and they put time into those three areas, that's where I've seen people really gather the uh, the most uh, long term happiness over time. Let's talk about you, Rocco. So have you struggled in the past with this harmony between work, life, and self? And if so, how did you get your life back in balance? I do. I still struggle with it. I I wrote the book on it, right? So I still (laughs) struggle with it. And I um, just finished up coaching my eighth year of Little League Baseball. So my my son is now done with uh, playing Little League. And I coach Little League. uh, It's four days a week starting in basically March and we just finished up. It's very, you know, very competitive. It's very, uh, you know, it, it's, it gets kind of crazy. It's all the stuff that you see on television. And so, so the other aspects of my life, right? So I wasn't able to focus on my business as much or I wasn't able to focus on my, myself as far as my exercise and my diet. And so I kind of felt out of balance. So I did my own three chords checklist. I went through all the different aspects, my, myself as an individual, went back over our business and the family. And I just took a yellow, yellow pad and I started jotting notes around the three different areas. And now I feel like I'm back in balance again. I'm refocused. I feel like I'm re-energized. I'm paying attention to all those different, all the different areas, you know, the financial aspects of things, my business, myself as an individual, and of course, uh, of course, my family, and uh, I feel I feel a lot better as a, as an individual as as a result of it. So, but I had you know I I had I had seventeen pages worth of notes right that I just sat there for a few hours just to kind of recap on those three different areas, getting everything out on paper that tied in with those three different areas, and I feel a lot better about things going forward. And you've been successful in life and in your career, and you know, in fact, you're a, a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor. Um, can you describe though to me, like, what do you like or dislike about your position? Well, you know, it's a, it was a real honor to be uh, recognized as a Forbes Best in State Advisor over the past few years. And I would say what I like most about my position is the is that I get the opportunity to help people see things from a different perspective. I, I get the opportunity to help people achieve their goals and their objectives sooner and faster than they would have be able to do it on their own based upon the advice methodology. When we talked about ADVICE, that helps people achieve goals and objectives faster than they were able to do it on their own. What I dislike about what I, what I do, I would say, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say necessarily dislike it, but um, I, you know, here, here's what I would say. I would, I would say what I dislike about what we do is that I dislike when people lose direction and course as far as their their plan course based upon geopolitical things that are outside of anybody's control where they come off the plan 
based upon somebody disagreeing with something that you might see in Washington, D.C., or uh, situations that might be happening in the short term. So I, I would say that I, I, I dislike when, when people come off the plan based upon short-term uh, type of things that might be happening. And I mean, I, I love what I do. I love all aspects of what I do. So it's, it's hard for me to hard for me to tell you what I dislike. Uh, I, I love working with my team and my, you know, my, my structure here. And um, there isn't too many things that I, I, I dislike about what we do here. Sure. I mean, you know, that, that short-term orientation, I mean, do you feel like the generation coming up, they're more short-term oriented when it comes to just financial planning and life planning? Or do you think there's still long-term orientation that exists within this up and coming generation? I think, um, and I thought a lot about this too, because, you know, the millennials will eventually become our clients, right? I think the oldest age of the millennials, I think is somewhere in the high thirties now. And our typical client is usually 57 plus, but the millennials, which will eventually become our clients, I think about often, what will they need? Because there's a lot of information that's out there as to, they might be short-term focused. Millennial clients need more structure and goal planning and strategic coaching than any other generation, in my opinion. They're really bright. Um, they could probably figure out a lot of the, um, the financial aspects of things, but it's the big picture items of, of achieving, sticking with the plan over time is probably the number one area that I think that the younger generations are going to be able to use the most help with. And why do you think it's important for people to plan for retirement? Isn't there kind of an argument where it's like, well, you know, why plan? Why save? I mean, you could lose it all in the market. It could get inflated away. I mean, maybe I should just live life, enjoy my money right now and not really worry about that in the future. You know, I think, I think it comes down to personal responsibility and um, it's taking responsibility for, for yourself. So if somebody, somebody is not taking the idea of planning for retirement seriously and saying I should live for today why save for tomorrow? Hey, listen, there, there are some valid points with that. We unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago, lost a team member. She was 51 years old. Nobody ever saw her coming. There was something that went wrong in her procedure. We don't know what, but something had happened. So you've got that aspect of things. But for most people, taking personal responsibility for their long-term financial plan, I think is, is everybody's really personal responsibility. Because if you, if you don't do your own planning, right, at some point, then you're going to have to be part of somebody else's plan later on in life. Yeah. And it's just going to burden them, right? It's just going to, it's just going to burden them. You know, it's, it's, uh, I read an article once and I forgot who, uh, who wrote the article, but it talked about people doing a route. So, you know, you're involved with doing financial planning from a fam- family perspective. It's that, you know, each person needs to do the best job for themselves to help everybody else. And if they're able to, if everybody does a great job in taking care of themselves for others, that's a better plan than not taking care of yourself and then having to have to become dependent on others down the road. So what, what's the balance there? Because, so for example, I, I know of a friend and he's an older gentleman and you know he was married and he and his wife, they really scrimped and saved and they're really frugal and they, they skipped out on going on vacations or just spending a lot of money because they wanted to pay off their house. So they, you know, they put every extra dollar into paying off their mortgage. And then, you know, they always talked about, okay, when we pay off the house, then we'll go out there and we'll travel the world and we'll do all these cool things together because we'll have this, this freedom, right? So they do that and they pay off the house. And then unfortunately, 
his wife got really sick and ended up passing away. So it's a really sad story. And then here he is with this house that's paid off, but then he has all these memories, you know, with his wife that never happened because they were foregoing that. But also to your point where, you know, you can't just live frivolously and spending all your money and then not having any money for retirement because you're just, you know, living buck wild, right. Going out there and, and traveling around and, and not being fiscally responsible. So how do you like reconcile those two different um, ideologies? It, it ties in, it ties in with the balance and you got to make sure that you're balanced along the way. Taking a look at that particular case that you just spoke about of the person doing, just doing everything right. They pay down their mortgage. They had all these grand plans after they paid off their mortgage, they were older in life. And, and one of the two people in this relationship passes away. And sometimes you see that that's the case for doing planning on an ongoing basis. You have to live your life along the way. A lot of times we talk to clients about that. Uh, we try to get, sometimes clients don't want to do things, even, you know, coming out of this COVID situation where they're kind of still a little bit nervous about it. We try to encourage clients to uh, do family trips, get back to what what they wanted to do, thinking about it, uh, letting them know they can do it. You know, so so you got to you've got to make sure that you're planning along the way and do and doing these different types of things, these different types of activities. You have to live your life. You know, you have to smell the roses. You have to live your life along the way, but you've got to do it responsibly. Some people don't do it responsibly. Some people, they, they go over the top where they, they, you know, you, as you're heading into retirement, you do want to head into entire retirement with low to no liabilities. If you head into retirement with lots of liabilities and you say, well, I've, I'm living my life, that's likely going to come back and bite you down the road. So working with a trusted professional to develop this strategic financial plan to help you do the things that you want to do along the way. That's, that's like the perfect financial plan. The person that accumulates $5 million or $10 million at some point and ends up by not living their life, right? You, you can't take it with you. We, we, sure. all leave this, we all leave this world the same way that we came in with it, right? With, with nothing, right? So we've got we've to make sure that we're doing things along the way. And it, and it really ties in with, uh, it ties in with planning. You got to put on paper the things that you want to do personally, professionally. Know how much is that going to cost? What are you going to need to do in order to make that happen? So doing, doing ongoing financial planning, and it's, again, it's more than just the numbers, right? You got to know what else, the other things that you want to do. Do you want to travel to Italy? Like one, of the, one of the goals that I have at some point down the road is that I'd love to develop some type of a school for entrepreneurial studies in Italy, where I'm going to spend some more time there down the road. We're going to teach people that want to learn how to speak English about financial independence and uh, you know entrepreneurial entrepreneurship, financial independence, and um, but, we're, but I'm starting to research it now. We're, we're working on it. Um, as soon as it could happen, it could happen. There's no particular set date right now, but but I'm working on it. So you got to plan. It's more than just the numbers. You got you got to plan all, all aspects of your life. Yeah, I like that response, and and what a great uh, vision there. I, I think that could be um, really interesting to be able to teach people English, but also teach them you know, this financial literacy. And, and I really like that, that idea that you have, you know, if you think about Southern Italy, Southern Italy is a, it's a, it's a highly socialized area, right. Where the government typically provides pension opportunities and, and handles everything for the people. 
And so where a lot of people in the region there do not do their own personal financial planning. And when I, we were there, we were just there, we have family there. So we were there in 2019 as people asked what kind of work I did. I'm trying to explain to them the work that we do here. And it was, you know, they didn't quite understand it. The idea of people doing financial planning, because that's not something that they do. But to have real financial independence, one needs to do financial planning. Otherwise, you will not have financial independence. Yeah, well said. Let's talk about your blog where you wrote about this idea of financial infidelity. What does that even mean? If you're with a partner, right? If you're with a partner, you need to be open about your overall financial picture. You got to be working on things together. Sometimes what you see is in, in relationships where one person doesn't tell the other person about their shopping behaviors or what they're spending money on, or they might be doing things that might be financially irresponsible. And that's what we, that's what in the blog, we talk about financial infidelities is not really disclosing all the things that they might be doing. Um, you, if you're, if you're in a relationship, you gotta have, you gotta be working on financial planning together. We, we almost don't want to work with uh, couples that do not have the, their spouse come to the meeting. We want everything to be on the table. We want there to be joint goals, joint planning, because if, if you do, if you're doing things that way, nine times or 9.9 times out of 10, the overall long-term picture is going to be 10 times better than it is when it's only one person that's doing the planning. Sure. And if there's not that transparency there, I can imagine that'd be very difficult to do that. Or if, what, what do you do if there's a relationship and the two people have totally different viewpoints or philosophies about money? That happens sometimes, right? That happens sometimes where you try to, you, you work almost like as a mediator and you come to some type of a middle ground where sometimes we have clients that are aggressive. One, one client is aggressive. Their spouse is ultra conservative and we talk through it. We talk through it and we work with them both on getting them both what they want from a financial standpoint and having both of their goals, their conservative goals and their aggressive goals be applied to the overall financial plan. And everybody's happy when that, when that actually happens. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. And, and I like how you keep bringing up this idea of a plan and being just strategic. And I, I think that's really important. So let's switch gears and talk about young people. So how do you think young people can best prepare financially for the future? Um, I think the best way that finan- uh, young people can, can financially prepare for their future is to really look at their, their dollars in terms of, let's say that, let's just put, let's say somebody earns a dollar, we've got 10 dimes that go straight across the table. So the, from those 10 dimes, where are they going? How much are they actually keeping for themselves? A lot of times, 10 dimes out of 10 just get spent. They go to taxes, they covers all their bills, they spend it, it's gone. But if, if young people just start off by saying, I'm going to keep one dime out of 10, which represents 10% of their actual earnings, they can, they can amass a fortune, right? I mean, really, you know, I would say that if they keep one dime out of 10, they could, over time, they could achieve financial independence. But the people that make big money over time, the real people that become millionaires are the people that are saving three dimes out of 10. If people are able to figure out how to adjust their lifestyle and save 30% of what they're earning, that's how you make millions. Okay. Now, what if they're they're thinking, okay, Rocco, hey, that's great. 
I get that. But what do I do with the dime? Because I don't want to put it in bonds because if interest rates go up, which they likely will, you know, the bonds are going to lose money. I don't want to put it in the stock market because I feel like valuations are high. Um, real estate's really hard to get into. And so it's like, well, what do I do with my money? I mean, what, what's your answer to that? So I've been doing this now for a long time and um, almost every seven figure portfolio that I've seen has come as a result of people systematically saving over many, many years. So if somebody's contributing to a 401k plan, they're either contributing either weekly or biweekly. If it's systematic savings over time, so you're not just jumping in, right? So the, you're right, the, the markets could be at, um, at a high point right now. Well, if you, if you start it, you're not just putting all of your money in today, you're buying, you're buying in all different types of markets. Young people have their, their biggest asset is their, is their age. It's their time frame. Sure. And when you, and that's really the, uh, so it, you just got to start a lot of times people just basically are sitting on the sidelines. Well, you could be waiting for a long time before there's another market correction. But if you start saving systematically little by little over time, the, the volatility kind of works itself out through buying every single week. That's how, that's how people should do it. Just the dollar cost average idea. Dollar cost averaging. So whatever the dollar amount that somebody's thinking about putting in, you don't have to jump in with two feet, right? If you're sitting on cash, you could say, you know what, I'm going to ease it in over the next 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. However, you know, whatever they, you know, the, the more conservative somebody is, the greater the time frame should be in the dollar cost averaging. The more aggressive somebody is, the shorter the time frame. So if somebody's like, oh, I'm really aggressive, let's just get this started today. That's one way to look at it. I mean, the markets could drop 20% over the next month or the markets could go up by 20%. Nobody really knows. I know you had commented on interest rates before. We, we're looking at this all the time. And I don't really know if nobody knows which way interest rates are going to go, right? We, you know, you had a situation where interest rates were rising and then you had the COVID situation, which sent interest rates all the way down. The, the, the 10 year was, was broke, broke into, I think, I think the low on the 10 year was in the, in the 30 basis point area. Nobody saw that coming. So investments make money. Investors don't based upon speculation, trying to go in and out. Um, based upon what's happening geopolitically, it's time in the market, which makes the difference over time. Sure, exactly. Not trying to time the market and trying to predict things. Now, let me ask you about the older generation. You know, what if somebody's sitting here and they're like, okay, once again, great advice, Rocco, but I didn't do that. You know, I'm at the end of my career. You know, I still may have more years on my mortgage than I have left in the life of my career. What do they do? They just throw their arms up and give up or like, do they start saving now? Or like, what's your advice for them? You know, they should never, never give up, right? There's, there's always a way, you know, sometimes people are, are afraid to actually look at their overall financial picture based upon not have, not have had done anything over time. And so they should really look at it from almost like a runway perspective, and so how long is your runway till you absolutely want to stop working? Is it a 10-year runway? Is it a five-year runway? Is it a three-year runway? And what has to happen during that period of time in order to put you in a position that you're going to be best suited? So here's an example. So, so let's say somebody, let's say somebody's been a renter, right? And they're they're they want to try to buy in this in this uh, this crazy real estate market that we're seeing here in uh, June of 2021. And we're seeing lots of inflation. Rents are going up. You want to try to create more predictability for yourself as you're heading into retirement. So if you're paying right now, let's say two thousand dollars a month in rent. 
can you get a mortgage and lock into an actual number of $2,000 per month if you go out there and buy something? You might be able to do that. You could buy a condo in the $250,000 range and your all-in expense costs, including utilities, could be like $2,000 a month. You've really got to be thinking about things if you're heading into retirement where how, do you, how are you going to create the greatest amount of predictability in your income? What, what are maybe going to be your, your, your fixed income sources? Is it Social Security? What, what's available? Is there a pension? What, what's out there? What's available to you? And how do you create the most amount of predictability in your expenses? And if you're a renter, you don't have predictability in your expenses. The property can get sold. Rents are going to go up. So these are the things that that people really should be thinking about if they're if they're late stage predictability in expenses and predictability in income. That makes sense. Yeah, because if not, yeah, inflation could erode, you know, the value of the assets that you have or your purchasing power. I mean, there's a lot of things that could impact and I, I like that, you know, like how do you lock in and, and mitigate any fluctuations in cost or on your income side? Yeah, well, if you're not going to be deriving an income in retirement and you're on fixed income sources, well, you want to have as much predictability as possible in your your expenses. So if you have a mortgage, besides your property taxes and your insurance going up and your maintenance, your mortgage payments going to remain the same. Even, you know, even if you're 70 years old and you're like, well, can I get a mortgage? Can I get a 30 year mortgage at 70? Yes, you can. And at least you'd have some predictability over the next 10, 15 years as to what's going to be happening with your monthly expenses. If you're a renter and rent numbers go up between four to 5% per year in 10 years from now, you could be paying 50% more on your rent versus, you know, paying the same amount on a mortgage. Sure. Absolutely. You know, a lot of great advice here, Rocco, you know, your book, you know, I like that idea of, of taking this comprehensive approach because otherwise we could just get so fixated on one part of our lives. Right. I mean, we could become so fixated on business that everything else crumbles around us. So I, I like that idea of being strategic, you know, look, looking at things holistically. And I just think, you know, spreading that message to people, um, has a lot of value. So I really appreciate our conversation today, you sharing your ideas about the book and just your your overall ideology on your approach to you know, financial management and business and life. So thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. This has been awesome. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. If there's any way I can be helpful to you and your business, or if you have feedback or ideas regarding this podcast, shoot me an email at contact at I would love to connect. All the best. Thank you.